0: talk about it we want to talk about it young people anyone here done anything exciting over their easter holidays just had a couple of weeks on some of you're thinking about going back anyone done anything exciting or different over these last couple of weeks what have you done matthew down here it was your birthday did you have a good time on your birthday (laughs) what did you do for your birthday matthew did you have a cake I bet that was exciting. Fantastic! An exciting experience down there. Anyone else done anything exciting over the last couple of weeks? What did you do? Um, we made some ice cream. You made some... making ice cream. Homemade ice cream. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone else had some exciting? Experience. You went on a steam train. Where did you go from on the steam train? On the Isle of Wight. On the Isle of Wight. Brilliant. Anyone else? Reuben, did you do anything exciting? Don't I think it's exciting over the last couple of weeks? You went to see the Lion King. Oh. 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 What generous parents you must have to take you there. <laughs> <laughs> exciting, fantastic. Uh, did I see one at the back? You went and saw your grandchildren. Was that a good. Uh, your face it just <laughs> smiled from the second you saw that. Pat, do you come and join me? See, I know for a fact, because Pat's been somewhere exciting, because I'm with one of her friends on social media, and she's just been somewhere very exciting. Pat, let's just give you a microphone so we're going to hear these things, so I'm sure they won't want to miss this next couple of minutes. Just talk for us very quickly. Where have you been?
1: Florence in Italy.
0: Florence in Italy? What was Florence in Italy like, Pat?
1: Absolutely wonderful. We've only just got back, and I've already got a list of what I want to go back and see. It's just two hours out of London City Airport. You can cross the whole city in 40 minutes on foot, Absolutely fantastic. We saw so many things. It's a home of Galileo, Michelangelo, um, Botticelli, Marconi, all of these amazing people. And it's the city of the Renaissance. So if any of you are history buffs, architecture, painting, fantastic. We went to so many places. There was one place called the Palazzo Vecchio, which is their kind of parliament building. And you walk into this building and you're just looking at all these (coughs) paintings on the wall and then you Uh, suddenly... uh, uh,
0: Stop me just for a minute. Because there's obviously one important detail. How many young people here like ice cream? Uh, Can I just, one quick question. Was there any ice cream, Pat? We skipped
1: lunch so that we could have ice cream every day. How many
0: different flavors? Uh,
1: Well, we found one particular shop, and I think we had about thirty-five different flavors: flavors. cheesecake, mango, chocolate, white white chocolate with coconut, coconut by itself, Ambrosia.
0: Brilliant! Fantastic!
1: (laughs) Um, I think we had. Two scoops each day, and we went through the entire list. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. let's give Pat a Actually, Pat, there you go. Pat, there you go. Thank you. When we share an experience, when we talk about something and we share it with others, we might not have been there, but certainly from hearing Pat talk about it, weren't there little bits of you that want to go? Little B wants to see, how many of those young people wanted some of those 35 flavours of ice cream? It's about you. I heard that ice cream, I thought, oh, there's some good stuff there. But we learn more, don't we? For those people talking about their experiences, sharing somewhere where they've been, something they've done, we find more. And their enthusiasm for talking about that place, their excitement, wants us, wants us to find out more. We want to find out more about that place. And you see, those two disciples that we had, they had an the experience, they are excited. They wanted to talk about what they saw about Jesus. They wanted to share it. But those two disciples were not the only ones to get an experience of Jesus. Because as they were talking with the main group of disciples, Jesus appeared with them. And he greeted them and he said, Peace be with you, something Tim talked about last week. And this experience of this Jesus for all the disciples made them feel, well, quite different in many different ways. How do you think some of those disciples felt when they saw Jesus? How do you think they might have felt? Excited. Excited. How else might they have felt? Scared? I think they're scared. Yep. Untrue, yeah. See, they were startled and frightened. And Jesus says, Why are you troubled? It's like an interesting expression. Why are you troubled? He's surprised that they're worried, but only two verses before we see it says, the disciples thought they'd seen a ghost. Well, I don't know about you, but if that's what I thought I'd saw, I would be troubled. I would be scared. See, dead people are reappearing was not a common thing. They're struggling to understand how in the past day, some women had seen Jesus alive, two of their best friends have now seen him walking on the road, and now here's Jesus stood in front of them. See, that experience of Jesus was to give the disciples something to talk about as witnesses to the resurrection, to talk about why Jesus came, what the good news is all about. And that's here. We may not experience Jesus appearing to us exactly like the disciples. But as followers who live out our faith, the times when we experience or see Jesus at work in our own lives or the lives of others, are we to be witnesses to that, to talk, to share of our experiences. Secondly, we talk about the evidence. See, Jesus recognizes the disciples are scared. He says, why do doubts rise up in your minds? I think it's really reassuring, isn't it, that some people who have seen Jesus for quite a while still have doubts about what's what going on. Even his disciples have those doubts. And sometimes even when we have faith for quite a while, there are those little times when we're going to have doubts. That's the point where we need to keep trusting. And Jesus helps his disciples to trust by showing him, by showing them his hands and his feet. Why did he show his hands and his feet? Why did he show his hands and his feet? They still had the nail marks in it. Fantastic. But I've just lost my phone. Oh, sorry. And I've just hit Charlie. They still had the nail marks in it. Let's go down a bit. Perfect. Perfect. No. Perfect. <laughs>
1: I'm not technical.
0: There we go. Go. So I shouldn't get far too excited myself. <laughs> <laughs> they saw the hands and his me the hand the marks in his hands and his feet. Those marks of what Jesus had been through, and that made them even more excited. But then we still read they still did not believe because of joy and amazement. They're amazed at what they saw. They still they could not believe exactly what was going on. So Jesus did something else. He showed them his hands and his feet. Then what did he do? It wasn't his side, not in this passage. What did he do? Is anyone a young person that I can see who can remind me one day? Go on, Linda, at the back. He ate. What did he eat? He ate a piece of fish. Well done, Linda. There we go. And the back row this time. I often get complained, though, when in the back row gets it, the back row. He eats the fish. Jesus was there with them. They know now he's there, physically there. It was amazing for the disciples to get their head rounds. How could it be Jesus was there with them? And so he, after showing the hands and his feet, after eating the fish, he gives them the final piece of evidence. He reminds them all the things that he taught them about whilst he was still teaching them with them. And before he died on the cross, he says this, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, The prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So this is not the only time after Jesus has died that he started teaching them about what had gone on. And the Bible points to what Jesus has done and God's plan to us. He used the scriptures to point to God's plan. As witnesses today, we may not have Jesus physically stood in front of us for us to touch or to see eat. But we do still have the Bible. We do have the accounts of what happened to others. And we could pass on the good news about Jesus, that he died so we could be forgiven. The difference he made to those. So, we talk of our experiences, we talk about the evidence, and we know that we're equipped. So it's great to be effective witnesses, we need to be equipped to witness to others. It's really common, isn't it? I hear lots of people say, well, it's great, it's all right for you, Andy. You wear that bit of plastic around your neck, and you can do it. But I don't feel like I'm qualified enough to be able to do it. It's not something that I can do. But see, Jesus doesn't leave us alone to witness by ourselves. Don't you really get frustrated when you read that good book and it just finishes that little page too early and you want to read on to what happens next? And the same with this reading. It finishes at verse 48. And in verse 49, the one we don't get, he says this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power From on high. What's that power from on high? What's that power from on high? Holy Spirit. Brilliant. Well done, you. Awesome. The Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come, and we see on the day of Pentecost, something that was celebrated a few weeks' time. The Holy Spirit came and enabled Peter to talk to a large crowd. The Holy Spirit enables us that we can be confident to talk about Jesus, to be those witnesses that Jesus asked us to be. And we simply need to pray for that confidence. The Holy Spirit will equip us to be witnesses to our friends, to our family, those people we see at school, the people at work around us. Next question. Does anyone know either of those two people up there on the screen? Oh, I hear a few moments. Elizabeth on the end. Justin Welby. Who's Justin Welby, Elizabeth? Justin Welby is the Archbishop of Canterbury. There you go. The Archbishop of Canterbury on the right-hand side here, sorry. Somebody else got okay, well, I'll see him at the end, and I'll sort you out with something. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Justin Welby, he's the head of the Anglican Church. He's quite an important guy. Anybody know who this person on the left is? <laughs> this is one I know. See, this guy on the left is a guy called Nick Hills. You hear an awful lot in the news about Justin Welby, on the right, that's one of this guy here, but you don't hear an awful lot about Nick Hills. See, Nick Hills was a man who was a key part in Justin's faith. We're going to watch a short video where Justin talks about how he came to faith and the story of his road to faith. And this guy, Nick, was quite important in the way he came to faith. We're just going to watch it, and we'll see now about how he finds this. Thank you, Ros. I'm back in Cambridge back to the days
2: where, obviously I worked very hard, but I did spend a lot of time on the river, rowing. I last coxed about 40 years ago. If you believe in prayer, I suggest you say one now. Are you ready? (laughs) Go. Nick Hills and I were students together at Cambridge, and we recently met to visit the college we were both at and take a tour. Hi, Nick. Hello, Justin. Very nice to see you after (laughs) so long. (laughs) We headed over to Nick's room in one year when he was at the college. A transforming moment happened, a life-changing moment. May, may I oh, here so we go in? Yes. Why don't you lead the way? All right. Because you used to live yeah. here. Thank you very much for letting it's us disturb. No You're very good. We came back here, yeah. I, I think, about 10 On October the 12th, 1975, just before midnight, that having spent time talking and sharing, speaking together and i realized that i was a point of decision about life and my life was going to go one of two ways and i prayed a very simple prayer saying lord jesus come into my life i don't know anything about you but come into my life and he came in something changed and has stayed changed from then on with all the ups and downs and me trying to run away and good times in in my life and really bad ones. And that started with you just as another undergraduate very simply encouraging me to look at who Jesus was. I I just can't imagine how different my life would have been, that's the extraordinary thing. Well, the next morning you gave me this Bible. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Cambridge, 1975. That was the verse that was the page that was open when I became Archbishop of Canterbury, when I was installed at Canterbury Cathedral in the St. Augustine copy of the Gospels that St. Augustine brought with him in 597. They said, do you want it open anywhere in particular? I said, yes, John 15:16. from that moment. Isn't that extraordinary? That's terrific. It's a beautiful Bible, I've used it for years. Yes, and yes I am yes, exactly like it, and uh, I use it also day by day. When I think through my journey of faith, Nick wasn't the only person involved, in fact, far from it. I later learned that there was a particular person who'd prayed for me every week since he knew that I was on the way, since I was conceived, that I might become a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how grateful I am to them. What an extraordinary, faithful and loving gift that was. But that's a gift that we can all afford. It's not a gift that any of us is unable to give. Who could you give that gift to? I'm inviting you to join me in praying for particular people, family, friends, working colleagues, whoever it happens to be, during the ten days that we call Thy Kingdom Come.
0: I saw that video a couple of weeks ago, and it made me go, wow, when I saw it then. And even now, it still makes me go, wow. Great, isn't it, that you know, without that guy Nick, witnessing to his faith, talking about Jesus, Justin probably would not have found out about Jesus. And that somewhere there was people there behind him praying. That's just not him. We hear an awful lot about Justin, but we don't hear about the other people. Witnesses were key to Justin finding faith. People who prayed for him, who had the confidence to speak to him about the difference Jesus made could make to his life. And we never know when we talk to someone. What a difference, when we witness, what a difference it will make. When we have that conversation with someone, what difference that will change to their lives. Sure, Nick didn't, he didn't realize that he was speaking to the future Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we all do. That's the challenge that Jesus leaves us with. We're all called to be witnesses. Witnesses who talk of their experience of Jesus, who talk of the evidence from the Bible. We can tell the good news of the Bible about the risen Jesus, about how we could be forgiven and who are equipped by the Holy Spirit. And we can be pray-, to pray for people that we're witnessing to, too. After this next time, we're going to have a time of worship. But after that, we're going to have a think about where we can be witnesses this week. That's what I want us to think of as we go into time of worship. As we come through that, we're going to have some time of prayer. Where can we witness? Where can we shine that light this week as we go from here?